0: Greetings, business professionals, and welcome to another video edition of Building Better Businesses. I am your host, Steve Eschbach, and I'm delighted to have you join us on another one of our episodes. I am one of a few Transworld Business Advisor owners here in Chicagoland, and we specialize in assisting business owners confidentially sell and match them with qualified buyers. Transworld, by the way, is the world's largest and fastest growing business brokerage firm. I also own a number of other entities that are designed to assist business owners enhance value. You know, I have been a corporate executive and a business owner for more than 40 years. So you would think I would know everything possible about running a business efficiently. Well, you would be further from the truth. In fact, I am delighted to say that many of my successes have been attributable to you out there who have, quote, been there, done that in a world that never seems to stop changing. So I am delighted now. To present another episode whereby we can learn from a subject matter expert on how to enhance your business operations. Now, on to the next edition of Building Better Businesses. Greetings of the day, my fellow listeners, and welcome to another edition of Building Better Businesses. My name is Steve eschbach I am the owner of Trans World Business Advisors here in Naperville, Illinois, where I assist business owners confidentially sell and match up with qualified buyers. Uh, in an ongoing effort to uh, educate my listeners as to uh, how to build better businesses, I'm delighted that we have a, uh, another guest that's uh, not here in the US, but abroad. And that is uh, Mick Ball, and uh, he runs, he's the owner of a company called Comstar. And I'm going to let him give a brief overview about his company and his background before we start getting into some other questions. So Mick, thank you very much for joining us and uh, tell me a little bit about your business, you and your firm.
1: Yeah, uh, well, thank you for having me. I would start with myself then, and I would go back a bit to the high school and just tell you a story how I became an entrepreneur and, and how do, did I end ended up being part of Comister as well. So um, when I was in high school, and you know, my parents, they aren't entrepreneurs, so I didn't get my uh, bug to become an entrepreneur from my parents. Um, and I'm from a very normal family, I would even say that pretty humble family. But I went to a high school in a place where in 2007, it was a time when real estate was booming and a lot of developments were done uh, next to the school then. And together with that, a lot of new people came to my class and a lot of people that were sons and daughters of entrepreneurs in Estonia and from wealthy families. And and so that was kind of my introduction to the world that there is, you know, more possibilities out there. So this is the first time when I understood that I I want to become an entrepreneur, to have these, you know, similar possibilities, et cetera. So I started my first business just straight out out of high school when I was 19. It was an online penny auction and um, long story short, it failed miserably. Uh, but we did took a bank loan to actually uh, do the project. And this bank loan was guaranteed by my parents. But the failure of the business coincided with the financial crisis, right? So everything broke down. So and of course, the business, it didn't work out. And because my parents were, you know, guaranteeing the loan, so they were tough spot as well. And and my father, he, he lost like three times the income that he had before. So it wasn't a pleasant first time experience. And I would say I was pretty lost until I was around 23 or so. And then I started a lot of projects, tried different things. Nothing really worked out. Had a very short employment things as well, maybe, you know, two, three months at most. And then I tried again something new. But yeah, nothing was working out really. And, and then I started uh, sending emails to different entrepreneurs in Estonia and, you know, known entrepreneurs and different companies that, okay, I can come and I would work for free. I I just want to learn because I needed some sort of guidance on how to continue. And finally, one Finnish entrepreneur, and Finland is next to Estonia. I'm from Estonia. and It's a neighboring country, a bigger and uh, richer country as well. But anyway, uh, this Finnish entrepreneur wrote back to me. We ended up starting an e-commerce business together where he funded it and I had to do the work. And it went On about one year and it didn't work out at the end. But he had just started a commister business in Finland and asked that if I want to do the same in Estonia and I was 24 at the time and I actually studied law in the university, so it it kind of folded into my, uh, let's say, uh, folded into the studies that I was you know, doing in university anyway. And I agreed that I, I really didn't have any options anyway, but I loaned 5,000 euros from this Finnish entrepreneur and, and I rented a small cubicle office in, in the center of Tallinn, which is the capital of Estonia, hired an accountant and started Comister, with the main service being, you know, just helping Finnish entrepreneurs because Estonia has a very great tax environment for entrepreneurs, we don't have corporate tax, for example, and, and Finland is a very high tax society. Then it's it's a tradition that Finnish entrepreneurs come to Estonia to optimize their taxation, taxes, etc. So uh, we started uh, helping Finnish uh, entrepreneurs to optimize taxes in Estonia, so to say. So we set up the company, we took care of the accounting. In short, that was how Comister was started. And today, yeah, we, we've grown a big company, uh, but we do have offices in four countries. And we have a uh, you know, solid business now. We provide legal accounting, tax, and, and licensing services mostly. And that's pretty much what we do today.
0: So how, you said you now are in four countries, and you say you're not big, but if you're in four countries, you got to be a little bit bigger than most other companies. How long did it take you to go from you and your startup to where you are today? So you're now in four countries. How long, you said you, that was 24 I assume you're a little bit older than 24 now. So, how long did it take to go from the start to where yeah. you where you are today?
1: Well, I'm I'm 32 today. But uh, well, the structure of the company is a bit different, meaning it's kind of a licensing business, right? So, uh, the operators in these countries they are still entrepreneurs th- themselves. They're just operating under Comister brand. So, and therefore, it wasn't like having the offices in the four countries doesn't mean that we're owning all the locations ourselves. And you know. Have expanded with their own capital, so we haven't done that. But it happened pretty quickly. I mean, we have a commissar office in LA, in Los Angeles, and that's the newest one, which is which we opened a couple of years ago. And it's uh, actually run by a Finnish person as well, who previously worked in a Finnish embassy in the U.S. So, uh, yeah, it it took a while, but but it's a couple of years ago was the last one when we opened.
0: Okay. Well, if you need a presence in Chicago, you know you got someone who can help you out. Okay. So let's let's go back a little bit in time so you said you got the entrepreneurial spirit when you were in high school how yeah. about before high school and your upgrading? like when i was growing up i wanted to be a baseball player that never happened and here yeah. i am doing mergers and acquisitions to small and medium-sized businesses so i never on the streets when i was growing up in my formative years but i would be doing what i'm doing today how was your childhood upbringing now i know you had support from your parents to fund your first business operation but How about prior to high school? What were your interests then and how did it kind of morph into where it is today?
1: Well, I I love sports. I still do. And I did a lot of sports back then. I did, you know, basketball, tennis, swimming, and then I played soccer for quite a long time. I actually played in the Estonian youth national team as well, but I quit that when I was 19. So um, I, I didn't think a lot about what will I do as a profession. I did think because one of the father of one of my friends is a lawyer and, and uh, I always liked him. So I thought maybe, you know, that's why I went to study law as well, because I, I thought it would give me at least opportunities. And maybe that was something I thought about, but not in a deep sense. I never had... I would say that I never had parents that, you know, took me aside and, and asked, like, okay, what do you like to do? What do you want to become? It's it, it was never a topic in our household. Okay.
0: But yeah. it turned out that uh, you got the guidance and support you needed anyway further on in your uh in your formative years. So that's very, very good. So tell me a little bit about Comastar and the business clients that you deal with. Like we're talking about the theme of this whole podcast series is building better businesses. So as you interact with your businesses that you work with what advice do you give them most of the work you do i think is legal and, and tax advice but what else do you hear and how else do you advise businesses to become better businesses so to speak
1: well i would begin that if i talk about our clients of what types of clients we have then it's from one end to another. We have uh, a lot of one-man company solopreneurs that have you know, discovered e-residency, which is uh, a state program which enables entrepreneurs uh, across the world to start location-independent businesses, meaning you can uh, establish and manage your company online and you can travel around. And it's, it's kind of aimed at digital nomads, but it's really suitable for anyone who wants to sell to Europe or has any any connection to the European business environment and want, wants to have a presence here. So we have a lot of one-man companies and the advice they need is very different from advice that, you know, is needed by uh, a company that's, you know, five years running and, and have a, sure. uh, yeah, yeah. so it's, it's pretty different. And a lot of, I would say that uh, because e-residency, especially compared to uh, many other locations where there is a lot of bureaucracy, enables to start business in an easier way and in a cost-effective way, then we also have a lot of entrepreneurs that are just starting out and for them even like simple uh, marketing and you know positioning and and just simple things are beneficial and perhaps the most valuable is that you know the value of of the team and how to actually build a business and build a business where you optimize for independence and not for pay right and so the business would work for you not not the other way around but we also have companies that are you know eight figure businesses and uh um, seven figure businesses and, and they do quite well we don't Advise them uh, too often because, in many ways, we feel that uh, perhaps we're not qualified to advise them because they are already doing that well. And and for them, it probably is beneficial to talk to people that have done you know business on a bigger scale than they have and which we haven't. So we haven't been very. Uh, Let's say, proactive in in giving advice on that end. We do have a Facebook group where we a private Facebook group for our clients where we share business advice. but how much of that is used or utilized is something I don't know. So what
0: type of businesses are these women starting up? Are they like e-commerce type businesses, some kind of a service business? What are you seeing as a uh, as the most frequent or most common type of business, or is it still all all over a wide variety?
1: Yeah, I mean, these are e-commerce is very popular. Also SaaS businesses, software as a service, very, very popular, any kind of online platforms and uh, IT consultants. We have a lot of Russian and Ukraine uh, IT consultants and software developers, because if they want to sell their services to Europe, they have a lot more credibility in the eyes of the client if they have an European company as well, uh, instead of, you know, invoicing them from Russia or Ukraine. So uh, yeah, I would say that all sorts of online businesses are suitable and uh, we have a wide variety of these uh, companies and also one big sector for us is blockchain and crypto companies uh, because estonia has a very specific crypto licenses we have a lot of crypto clients for who we provide licensing services and that's a big part of our business as well so uh, crypto is a big thing here
0: for us. so i heard a lot of your um, business owners are women-owned and they're solopreneurs but you do encourage teamwork so let's take that to the next level when you encourage teamwork are you talking about a collaborative effort among individual business owners or are you talking about solopreneurs developing their own internal team how does that work
1: i actually don't know how many of the clients are woman-owned maybe you heard something wrong from what i said okay yeah yeah but would you Talk a lot about growing internal team, not kind of cooperation between different solopreneurs, which is good as, as well, right? But uh, I think it's something that the value of the team and how much the business can benefit from a good team is something that every every entrepreneur will experience you know, at some point in their life, like if they have experienced a uh, bad team and then then they experience a good team they it's just so different. I also think that if you're a solopreneur and it's fine if you don't want to build a business that's, you know, process centric or based on systems where it's, you know, you are not kind of doing everything and it's easier for you to bring on people that just follow certain processes that are already in place. But what I mean essentially is uh, we try to direct clients in, in a direction where they can actually understand the value of other people in the team. And I think for, you know, entrepreneurs that are starting out, it's not always obvious. And it's it's theory that, you know, everybody can understand the theory and a lot of entrepreneurs or, or CEOs or everybody says, you know, the hiring is the most important thing that you do. And you can understand it, but you don't really understand it until you actually experience it.
0: No, I totally get what you're saying because you know I think many people don't realize the value of having subject matter experts to do something that you may not be capable of doing. Not to say that you couldn't do it over time, but it makes a lot more sense for you to have the team members that are subject matter experts in, let's say legal or accounting or marketing. I'm not a marketing expert, but I'm learning as I go along and uh, so I think the value of that is so critically important. I think that's what I'm hearing you say. Is that
1: correct? Yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: So now that you're uh, in this eight, 10 years, what would you say was the single best piece of advice you got along the way of your development to where you are today? Or can you narrow that down to one?
1: I mean, for me, it's probably, I'm mean, in an industry when we talk about tax optimi- optimization, et cetera. So, um, and, and I started when I was, I just turned 24. And if you're selling services like that, uh, and you're a 24-year-old kid, and you have those 40, 50-year-old entrepreneurs coming from another country, and then they come to you, and they have to trust you, right? And it's not an industry where they come in and say, oh, yes, we have a young guy. Maybe he has some innovative for us. You know, they, they are not looking for that. They want something solid, right? That's not going to get them into trouble. So young age isn't seen as a plus, So uh, I guess the thing that I learned quickly is uh, provide a lot of value to create trust, because once you have trust, it's a lot easier to sell. And what it ends up being is, you know, you are able to sell a tax structure if people trust you at cost, you know, maybe, you know, 50,000 USD, for example, with one phone call, but it's if they trust you. So uh, provide value until on, on people trust you. I guess that's that's the one. Yeah,
0: it goes back to the old concept that relationship building is critical. So yeah, those you know and trust are those you can rely on, and of course assist you as you go forward. So, is there any ideal type of client for you, or any industry that uh, kind of rings out uh, more prominent than others, or are you just willing to listen, learn, and then can re- respond accordingly?
1: Yeah, I guess any online entrepreneur that wants to come and manage their estonian company is ideal client for us yeah so basically Uh, as long as yeah as long as they know what they're doing because it's a big difference if it's a person who is just starting out their first business or it's someone who has already done you know business and they are just switching over to estonia or it's someone who has an experience and they're doing online business that's that's the ideal client
0: and the the best piece of advice that you give most of your clients, is there anything that kind of resonates as a common theme with uh, most of the people you work with? Is there some piece of common advice you would give? I know you've talked yeah. about
1: building trust yeah. and developing relationships. Anything else besides that? Find out how to declare foreign earned income in your own country, because if you don't, you might, might run into trouble in the future. Yeah. Okay. So
0: knowledge is key as
1: well. <laughs> yeah.
0: So we're about running out of time here. Is there anything else that we didn't cover that you wanted to get across to uh, to the audience we have on hand?
1: I mean, I, I guess I would recommend anyone who is interested to check out the residency. It's a really cool concept. It's pretty unique and it's state-packed. So, um, and it's it's just super simple to manage your business and, and run your business with the residency. That's what I would recommend to do. And because it, it kind of uh, runs into the whole concept of Estonia as the tech tiger, as it's called in, in, in the media, with all the innovations that the Estonian government has uh, come out in the last decade or so. So I would recommend people to check it out. And if they want to get in touch with me, for example, they can find me on LinkedIn as well.
0: Sounds good. Now, e-residency, that's just in your country, is that is there are similar programs in other countries or is it just in Estonia?
1: Azerbaijan tried to build something like that or they do have something like that, but um, I don't know how well it works. It's just a recent thing that they have been working on, but it's pretty unique. It's a digital ID or digital residency, so to say, it doesn't affect your tax residency in any way, uh, but it's just a tool, right? And and it's it's a pretty good tool and uh, it is unique, at least if you want to be part or you want to have a company in European Union, then that's the best way to go. Yeah.
0: And do you have to be a, a resident or a, uh, do you have to live in, in Estonia or could it be no, out no,
1: there? No, no, no. It's the whole purpose of, of the residency card is that you can be anywhere. You can just log into the state portals with your uh, digital ID and, you know, sign documents, annual your reports, establish a company or whatever. It's, it's totally location independent. So that's the beauty of, of the whole program.
0: Wow, very interesting. Before we go, Mick, why don't you let uh, our audience know how they can get in touch with you? There's so- it sounds like there's more information that we can't cover here that they should contact you to learn more about. So how do they get in touch with you?
1: Our homepage is eResident.me. My LinkedIn is just Mick Mall. You can find it via LinkedIn search. It's estoneatcommister.com is an email that can be used to reach out to us. And yeah, I think these are the best ways to uh, find us. Great. All right. Thank
0: you so much for sharing your insights. And uh, hopefully we'll have people coming your way shortly. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. appreciate it. The Building Better Business podcast is the best place to learn how to take your business to the next level. It's no longer enough to earn good profits. You need to develop a network of connections as well as use all types of marketing to your advantage that will put you over the edge. Hosted by me, Steve Eschbach, a financial executive with decades of experience in dealing with businesses and business people, we'll learn how this all comes together. Join me and my expert guests as we delve into the many facets of owning the business and how to become a good, caring business owner. Listen how making a difference in your community can attract all sorts of clientele, which in turn will build you a better business.